you have your Bibles, be finding Daniel chapter 6. Dan, the book of Daniel chapter 6 and um, comes right after the prophet Ezekiel. Sometimes it's easier if you can have a, a long, very long book in the middle and go from there. Daniel chapter 6 and I'll read three verses. Daniel 6, verses 1 through 3. We're looking at a new year, and I'm impressed with two things. One is, I'm impressed that God has helped me through this past year. A lot of things have happened, tears shed, events that can happen as well as have happened. We, those of you who are older know how fragile life is. So as we look back, we're thankful. As we look forward, we're faithful. That's my prayer. Not fearful, but faithful. And we don't know what will happen in 2016. But this is our final Sunday of this year. And I thought we would just meditate a little bit on the book of Daniel and what, and what Daniel did. Uh, one of the things that you'll find with Daniel is he rose to, uh, was elevated to a top position in the land of captivity, Babylon. Uh, and he rose and emerged as a leader even in a hostile environment. This is one of the things that I want to put in front of you for this coming year. You don't have to have everything go well in order to prosper, in order to be blessed. Uh, Daniel was in Babylon. David put it like this in Psalm 23. He sets a table before me. Where? In the presence of my enemies. And that's what you have in the book of Daniel. But let's read this. Daniel chapter 6, verse 1. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps or uh, governors, kind of like we have states and we have the United States. So there's 120 of these states with governors. And verse 2 says, Over them was three officials, and Daniel was one of those three. And verse 3 says, This Daniel became so distinguished above everyone else that the other high officials and governors, because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. And this is quite amazing, actually. A Jewish servant being placed over the entire Middle East. The only person above him would have been the king. Now, just a word about where he is. In Babylon, um, which was at that point in history the greatest military power in the earth, it was what uh, one historian Herodotus said was uh, situated on the Euphrates. Babylon is actually modern-day Iraq, the Babylonian Empire. So it was not any better then than it is today. You wouldn't want to be there. 
So Daniel has been taken captive. This is about 600 B.C. to this magnificent city by Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king. And while he is there, he's faithful, and he rises to the top in his profession. He becomes very trustworthy. And like Joseph before him and Mordecai and Nehemiah in a hostile world, he didn't grow bitter, but he grew better. And he went through like five different kingdoms. He was there for 70 years. So far as I know, he died there. And through five kingdoms, through scandals, through military defeats, through all kinds of uh, national and international turmoil, Daniel stayed true and strong and durable and an example for generations to come. So you'll notice in Daniel chapter 6 that he had some qualities about him that caused the king to just along every juncture, he would say, you know, I like that guy Daniel. Let's set him over, let's, let's elevate him right now. Till finally the king said, let's just make Daniel head over everything except for me. Everybody report to Daniel. Now this provoked a lot of jealousy, as you can imagine, among the Babylonian officials. So they didn't like Daniel. So they would conspire against him. But there are some qualities about Daniel that I think helped him prosper, helped him to be elevated no matter what circumstances surrounded him. I want to give you these qualities in Daniel chapter 6. All right, here's three of them. Number one, what caused Daniel to prosper even in a hostile environment? And I'm talking about 2016. I don't know what's going to happen, but we know it's going to be a mixture of good and bad. But what are the qualities that can help us be blessed during this coming year? Here's number one. It says in verse 3 that this Daniel became distinguished above all the other officials because an excellent spirit was in him. An excellent spirit was in him. Now you realize that Daniel being taken from Israel all the way to Babylon. He wasn't just a slave. He was evidently a eunuch. And all the guys said, oh, not that. That would be the most humiliating of slavery. Look at Daniel chapter 1 and verse Six, among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Nazariah, the tribe of Judah, and the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Now, why would he do that? Why is he categorizing them? Because they're under his authority, because he's the chief over the eunuchs. So Daniel had become not only a slave and a captive of five, six hundred miles from home, but he had become a servant of the harem of the king. Now, a lot of people among the Jews in this time were very bitter. 
there is a, an example of this in Psalm 137, verse 1. I think we can pull that up so you don't have to look for it. But Psalm 137 and verse 1. Uh, now, not everything that's written in the Bible is given as a, as a model to follow, Okay. Sometimes it's just recorded for your understanding. Like sometimes even it quotes the devil. So uh, this Psalm 137 is given so you know how they're feeling in Babylon. These captives who have been taken to Babylon. And here's what it says. By the waters of Babylon, we sat down and wept when we remembered Zion. And on the willow trees there, we hung up our uh, guitars, our... uh, stringed instruments our lyres for our captors required songs and our tormentors required that we be happy and they said sing us one of your hymns your choruses the songs of Zion but we said how shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land we're not going to sing for you we're not going to play we have lost the music In fact, Psalm 137 goes on in verse 8 and 9 and says, O daughter of Babylon, you're doomed to be destroyed. Blessed is he who repays you with what you've done to us. We hope you get what's coming. Blessed is the person who takes your little babies and dashes them against a rock. Now, Daniel did not have that kind of spirit in Babylon. There were people who were angry to be there. They were bitter. They were cynical. They quit singing. They quit worshiping. And they prayed for a judgment to come. I had a guy when I was in Texas. He prayed for judgment to come on America. And I thought, I'm not sure I can enter into that. This is, but this is Psalm 137. Now, Daniel did not have that kind of spirit. He had an excellent spirit. He would bless wherever he was. And uh, there was a humility about him, a respect about him. He was poised under pressure and gracious under criticism. Uh, By the way, I think it shows up in the fact, verse 4, see if you're discouraged and angry, it affects your work, doesn't it? If you're disappointed and you don't like your boss, it affects your work. Look at verse 4. The high officials and governors sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. So he had a good attitude, so that carried over into his work had a, a, a man this morning told me he worked for General Motors and he's retired now, but he said that uh, a lot of times uh, he'd, he'd be at work and you're supposed to be there in his shift, it was at 6 a.m., and that uh, if, if someone didn't show up for their shift or if they were late, the line starts right at 6 a.m. So if they weren't there, they had to have emergency personnel that would jump in and fill the gaps for people who were late. You'd see them coming in. They'd be running in the door at 10 after 6 and finding their place. And sometimes they'd have so many absentees that they didn't have enough emergency personnel to fill in the gaps. Daniel had a different spirit. Daniel served his enemies 
He, ha- he was humble. He was loyal. He, was, he did not stand around the water cooler and criticize the boss. There was something distinctive about him. He didn't show up late. And the work that he did, he did with all of his heart and, and with all of his skill. And he was a scholar. It says in chapter 1 he was educated. In the book of Daniel, you'll find both Hebrew and Aramaic. Daniel was a scholar, but he didn't think any job was too lowly for him. If it needed to be done, nobody was doing it, he'd step over and do it. He had an excellent spirit. Don't you just love people like that? They just do what needs to be done. They do what they're told. Ah, I love people who just do what they're told. (laughs) Don't you love that in your children? Just do what you're told. It don't matter. I don't like that. So Daniel had an excellent spirit, and it carried over into his work. So these Babylonian officials conspired because they didn't like the fact that this Jewish man was being elevated above them. And so they got together and they said, Let's, we can't find any ground of criticism for him to take to the king on the basis of his work. All right, that's good. So let's get it on the basis of his faith because we know that's more important to him than anything. So they said to the king, O king, Let's make a law that for 30 days no one can petition another god or pray to another god or petition a man for anything except you. And the king's like, hey, I like that. I'd be the only person you can ask things favors from for one month. So he signed it into law, the law of the Medes and the Persians, which is irrevocable. Can't, can't change it. It's like uh, Congress. Can't get them to do anything. It's not going to happen. So it says he, it, they made this law, and in verse 10, when Daniel knew the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. And here's something that I saw for the first time in this chapter. I, I never saw this before. I know it's here, but I just didn't see it. It says he got down on his knees three times a day and prayed, and he gave thanks to the Lord. That impressed me right there. His prayer life three times a day was giving thanks. He'd get up in the morning and he thought, you know, I had a good sleep, I'm awake again. I'm going to have a time of prayer and give thanks to God for a good night's sleep and I'm here this morning. He'd go through the morning and meet people, have opportunities. He'd be able to see things, know things, do things. And so by noon, his heart said, God, thank you for this morning. And then by the afternoon, he'd be working afternoon. He would get some goals accomplished, some things done, meet some new people, have opportunity to open doors. He'd go through And by evening, he would say, God, this has been such a good day, a good afternoon. And I thank you for that. He was just characterized by constant thanksgiving. And here's the thing that I thought. Here is a man, it never mentions uh, family, because he was a eunuch. It never mentions children. 
It, it, it mentions his house, but in terms of property or land or riches, not really. How much Daniel has lost. And yet, his life of prayer is characterized by thanksgiving. I was impressed with that. Because sometimes, you know, God gives us this and this and this and this and this. And we're, we're thank you, Lord, for all these blessings. And then God comes in and takes this. We're like, whoa, man. So we're angry and we're, we're resentful. And we're, we, everybody else has got one of those. And it's like, what's happening to me? Why is God treating me like this? Rather than saying, okay, God, I used to thank you for these seven things. Now I have five, but thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. See, that's Daniel. And people saw that in Daniel. They knew that he wouldn't get mad and resentful and pout if something was taken from him. There is a touching story by a pastor uh, when I was in Fort Worth area. Uh, he was the pastor of a church there in, in Fort Worth, Pastor John Claypool. And in his book, uh, Tracks of a Fellow Struggler, he t- tells the story of uh, his daughter, Laura, who contracted leukemia at the age of 10. He had a little boy and a little girl. His daughter got leukemia. And he talks about the struggle that he had in his anger toward God. And his, um, his, this statement from his book, I don't usually read quotes from books, but I thought that he says this so much better than I could, could tell it. So I'm just going to read this little snippet from his book on how he struggled with the loss of his daughter. Here it is. He writes, The awareness that things are given to me, that everything and everyone is a gift gave me a different outlook. He said, my daughter had been a gift, not something or someone I created, therefore I could not clutch her as if she were my possession. But I held her as a treasure that ultimately belonged to another. Then he says, if Laura had been truly my property... And God took her, then God was a thief. And I would be justified in my anger. But if she was a treasure, and on the premise that nothing is truly ours, but all is gift, all is grace, then anger seemed inappropriate. And he says, I could be angry that she had died after only ten years, or... I could be grateful that God had given her at all and I had her for 10 years and share in the wonder of that 10 years. He says, I chose then and there, and I still do, the way of gratitude. See, Daniel could have counted all that he had lost. I don't have children. Everybody's got children, but I don't have them. Nobody have this and this and this and this. And so 
gratitude for Daniel was not just a spontaneous expression after receiving gifts, but gratitude was Daniel's decision to face a hostile environment, and it was his way through. See, it's warfare. It's spiritual warfare. It's emotional therapy. It's healing of the soul. And he not only had an excellent spirit, but he had a grateful heart. And I think that's wonderful about about Daniel. Now, let me tell you something else. One other thing. He not only had an excellent spirit and a grateful heart, but he also had a commitment to the kingdom. He knew there was a kingdom above Babylon. Did we show the... uh, the picture of the city. This, this was huge. This, is, this would be like Washington, D.C. today. Um, and by the way, just uh, for your information, uh, there was a French architect and, and a man who laid out the structure of the city of Washington originally. And it is said that just as Babylon, he took that as his... Uh, uh, structure that he would build Washington, D.C. on. With the, with the capital in the middle, situated near a river. Babylon was situated near the Euphrates. Washington situated near uh, the Potomac uh, for security and commerce and just several things. Each one is 100 miles square. Uh, so, so that Washington, D.C. is laid out like ancient Babylon. Uh, just a little tidbit for your meditation in the future but look at babylon today this is this is the uh this is the ruins of babylon show me that one so there it is now can you imagine one day washington dc looking like that here's what daniel knew there's a kingdom greater than the mightiest earthly kingdom and if, if I'm going to do anything significant, that's where I'm going to invest my life. It's going to have priority. So they came to the king and they said, now you, you sign this, this uh, law that if anyone petitions or talks to another god, then he must go to the lion's den. So they knew Daniel would pray. And he did. They said, King, Daniel, I know he's your favorite guy, but he prayed during, and he violated that law, so he's got to go to the lion's den. And the king said, you're right. There's nothing I can do about it. I don't want to, but he's got to go. So they put him in the lion's den. Hungry lions. Show me the one. Yeah, this, I love this picture. Uh, I don't know if y'all ever heard of uh, Dr. Charles Stanley pastor of First Baptist in, in Atlanta, Georgia. He, uh, Dr. Stanley went through a tremendous uh, church upheaval years ago uh, to the point where one of the men in the congregation actually walked up on to the pulpit and smacked him full in the face while he was preaching. <laughs> you know, it's... Yeah, the worst thing y'all have done is sleep on me. So, you know, uh, so I'm good to go, man. But this lady, during that time of, of turmoil in the church, she said, Dr. Stanley, would you come by and visit with me? And he did. 
and she had this a picture of Daniel in the lion's den, and she said, Dr. Stanley, tell me what, you th- what impresses you about that picture. And he looked at it, and he said, well, I see the lions aren't eating him. And she said, notice where Daniel is looking, looking to God. Amen. Don't fear the lions. Just keep your eyes on your God in 2016. Amen? How to prosper in the midst of hostility. Now look at what it says. This is Daniel chapter 6. At the next morning they come and the king says, Daniel, did God deliver you? Are you there? Daniel says, yes, I am. May you live forever, O king. God sent His angels, shut the lion's mouths, verse 22. Now look at verse 23. The king was so glad and commanded Daniel be taken out of the den. And Daniel was taken up and no kind of harm was found on him because he trusted in his God. He trusted in his God. That's the way you go into 2016. With your eyes on your God. And it says in verse... 24, the king commanded and took all those who had maliciously accused Daniel and cast them into the den of lions, they and their children and wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Then King Darius wrote to all the people, nations and languages dwell on the earth. And he said, verse 26, I make a decree that in all my dominion, people must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel... For he is the living God, and notice this, enduring forever, and it's his kingdom that shall never be destroyed. Daniel was exhibit A that there is a kingdom above every kingdom and that that kingdom will survive everything and all other kingdoms will come to ruin. This is what Daniel saw. Jeremiah 25, verse 12, says that the 70 years, when these 70 years are complete, I will punish the king of Babylon for their iniquity and make the land an everlasting waste. Daniel read Jeremiah. Daniel knew that prophet, and he knew that the days were limited for evil to prevail. So today, as we face... Another year, I recommend to you an excellent spirit, a grateful heart, and a commitment to the kingdom. Notice the last verse of Daniel 6. Daniel 6, 28. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius. When it's all said and done, he, had, he prospered. Put a little note there saying, whatever happens to me, God, I pray that you will prosper me this year. Because I have an excellent spirit and a grateful heart and I put the kingdom first. We have coming up in the next few months several things. Let me just mention two or three. Uh, One thing, I want to urge you to invite somebody. Next Sunday is the first Sunday of the new year. 
let's all gather in here first Sunday of the new year and worship and praise our God. That's putting the kingdom first. Let's do that next Sunday morning, January 3rd. The second thing is we have discipleship groups that are beginning. Dave's going to come and say just a word before we close. And a third thing is we're, we're headed into another year committed to Project 145 based on Psalm 145 to bless the next generation. 